Turn Up The Talk podcast, tackling mental health together. Hey everyone, and welcome to Turn Up The Talk. You're joined by Pat Clifton and Lockie Jim Morris and Luca Moretti, MIA today. MIA, no, is it, is it training? Yeah, it? back at pre-season. Back at pre-season. Better getting ripped into Pretty special day, Paddy. Happy birthday. Yeah, thanks very much. Big, Big 21. 21. Yeah, feel a bit old, if I'm honest. A few grey hairs. <laughs> do you um? Do you see a... Is there a double up in presents? I hope like, so. You'd like to think you'd so. You'd like to think. A lot yeah. of people that have their birthdays near Christmas sort of get stitched up. No, I'd like to think so. I, was, I came here early, so everyone was asleep. But okay. when I get home, I've got high hopes. The high hopes? Yeah. What did you do over the New Year? Happy New Year to all our listeners. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Uh, I actually went just to a mate's party. Just um, pretty quiet, to be honest. What about yourself? No, yeah, I was at that same mate's party, but uh, yeah, not much <laughs> else. Went too. up to Brisbane with the fam over Christmas, and that's about yeah, it. Yeah, how was that? It was good. Nephew? It was good fun. Yeah. Two now, don't you? Two nephews, Two yeah. nephews, unreal. Bushfires aren't that good, are they? No, nah, yeah, it's not going well. But I think, that, like, when we're doing this now, so what, the 7th and the 6th, yeah. there was a bit of rain, so... Yeah, hopefully they got some rain where they need it, because the drought as well. It's like mm. there's fires and the drought. It's just the double whammy. But um, on that, we're going to be putting up a post on Instagram within the next couple of days to so keep peeled for that. Every share of that post will donate uh, $1 to the RFS or whichever we're going to decide to choose. But 100% of that will go towards the bushfires. So keep your eyes out for that and get sharing because it's a pretty important topic at the moment. A lot of people got behind it. Heaps. A lot of sports stars like um, Selena Gomez, Pink. Pink, yeah. <laughs> Pink, uh, Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman. And like you said, the sports stars, Nick Kyrgios started a bit of a movement. I think every ace he serves this summer of tennis is 250 bucks straight to it. Did you see his interview the other day? Yeah, on court. Yeah, so like he's from Canberra. Yeah. And Canberra's obviously in the middle of everything. And at the moment, Canberra's got the worst air quality in the world. It's crazy. Yeah, he so broke down. Yeah, he, he broke down and just said like, yeah, he's got to do his bit. So that's good. And uh, Ash Barty, she, um, so, so they have the... For those who don't know much about tennis, have like the Australian Open coming up, but they have the tournaments before it. Perth, the one in Sydney, and she's whatever she wins in that tournament, she's going to donate. Yeah. So that can be up to one hundred and thirty thousand if she goes all the way. The cricketers as well for every yeah, six. Glenn, Glenn Maxwell, Maxwell yeah. who's just come back from a sort of some time off. Yeah, he's been going through a bit of a rough patch, but he's been playing well since he's back. Yeah, you watched him? I've watched a bit of him. Chris Lynn. Chris Lynn. Yeah, about time but um oh come on <laughs> you know what he looks like <laughs> jimmy maloney you ever looked at him looks like james maloney. yeah dead ringer for james maloney the roosters player yeah james maloney's not ball just look it up trust me i don't reckon he does i swear he does we'll get a poll going everyone look up chris lynn and james maloney we'll get a poll going on instagram and have a look 2020 it's a big year for um for turn up the talk yeah, hopefully it uh, is. So just to keep you guys updated, we've got a few more episodes coming out. Looking to do eight episodes. So we've done four at the moment. So another four. And then hopefully we, um, well, we're definitely going to have a lunch at the end of February, early March. So stay, stay tuned for that. We'll have some info on that in the next coming weeks. And then if we don't get dumped, we'll do a season two. Yeah, if we don't get kicked out. <laughs> and we've already lined some people up for season yeah, two, so are. I hope we don't get kicked out. But yeah, um, we've got a few, we've spoke to a few pretty cool people lately. We probably could have made sure we got season two and then spoken yeah, to them. That's all good. We're hopeful. 
Yeah, like, we have. Yeah, Guy Sebastian we spoke to. Mm. He's um he's obviously had a pretty busy New Year's, but yeah. hopefully we'll get back into contact in the new year and sort something out there. That'd be awesome. And uh, Lane Beachley as well. So hopefully, stay not confirmed, but we can, we're hoping. Yeah, yeah in, in talks. So uh, this episode, this is, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, you have been. This so have I, but you've really been looking forward to it. I'm so keen. This is uh, someone who I wanted to talk to from the first day we wanted to do this podcast so and he was always on board as well he's a bit like Josh Dugan he was always on board but obviously pretty busy schedule yeah well he's got ties to sort of are you okay and yeah Marianne and he was I got told he he doesn't do podcasts and so we were must be a special one for him to come on and do us which is great so yeah so uh we'll get into it then eh yeah this is a mental health podcast and some content today may be triggering for some so if you're not feeling up to it hit pause come back another day we're not going anywhere. Today we're joined by a pretty special guest. He's a RUOK ambassador. He's won four premierships, three Origin Series, and he's capped the Waltlebys 37 times. But more importantly, you're the masked singer. Yeah, well, look, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Look, I'm not going to take uh, the claim to four premierships. I was in that 93 squad, played the first two finals, and then Steve Renoff came back from a broken jaw. Um, fractured jaw. I think his cousin had actually done it when he went back home to Mergen. And I played the first two games. Yeah, not lovely cousin. And then, yeah, so I was part of three premierships. One of those Fourth was one. A, one, of, one, of those, one of those were a Super League one, so I don't fully count that. But always, it's a pleasure to uh, to be here, but also a pleasure always to uh, to pull on the Broncos jersey. But thanks for having us, guys. And I am, you know what? I am the Mars Singer. <laughs> the Mars Singer. The Rhino. The Rhino. I've been getting a lot of love, actually, uh, the last couple of weeks about the Rhino. So, I, I bet. I yeah. bet. And uh, your son, Tristan's just re-signed with the Dragons. It's pretty cool. Yeah, look, he's had a deal there for the last couple of months. I think, you know, they were in talks in November. He started there when he was 13. Uh, you know, there was him. Uh, there's a young kid called Dylan Morris and um, young Jack Cross. They were, I think they were the youngest signed through that HPU program. And, uh, and I think that was the stage where rugby league sort of said you had to have a job and you had to sort of, you know, study. So he's at uni doing commerce. Uh, he's doing five subjects and he's only got half a semester to go. So... Thank God he's got his mum's brains and looks and talent. Uh, I think he's going to go all right. Hey, um, I remember watching that game against the Roosters and they showed you. Just how proud was that for you? Oh, look, I think anyone that, you know, you know, when you have kids, you know, you always want your kids to be successful and do great things, whether it's sport, education, whatever, you know, in, in business. And I think for me, I think I've seen him work so hard, you know. I don't know if you guys know this, but he started um, at Clovelly Crocs. Yeah. So it was him, Lachlan Lamb and Victor Radley back in 2006 when I was out at the Waratahs. And just to see him, he's never been the biggest guy, but he's always been told that he's too small, he'll never make it. So, you know, like Thurston, like, uh, you know, um, Lockyer and uh, these guys, uh, Billy Slater, uh, he just kept working hard. He just kept trying to not prove people wrong, but he, he, he always had a plan B. But yeah, but I was so proud because I just know how much pressure is on him um, to do well and, and my wife. And I, but I just seen the work that he put into it. So I was really happy for him. I know the Roosters were 32 nil up at that stage, but then, then to see him sort of score that try, I, yeah, I was, was I was stoked, cool. you know, inside Tedesco and and young Billy Smith too, because he's yeah. played against Billy Smith, yeah. um, you know, the, the interstate match Queensland versus New South Wales. So I was actually happy for young Billy Smith too, and I like seeing those young guys progress uh, through the grades because you know it's rugby league, it's tough, it's a war, it's it's so hard to make it. So we obviously know you through rugby league. We're pretty rugby league fanatic and sport fanatic but for those that don't really know you as well give us a bit of a background on yourself uh yeah look i think uh in 1992 i finished school i uh, had about four or five clubs um talk about signing me uh the bulldogs um the dragons illawarra at the time 
Um, and the Broncos weren't really interested because they had a lot of good players there. And I would always made like North Queensland, but could never make the state side. And um, it was pretty funny because um, I'd won a week of training with the Broncos in 93. I got player of the Confraternity Shield, and uh, I, I was a centre back then. And um, when I rocked up, Wayne Bennett said to me, he goes, um, he goes, mate, I've seen you play. He goes, you're a bit lazy and a bit brash. You're not my sort of player. And that's the first thing Wayne Bennett said to me. I thought, oh, I thought I'm no chance of getting signed here. Buddy. <laughs> anyway, he said, mate, see how you go for the week. And there's a guy called Cyril Connell. Um, you know, he, Chris McKenna, a lot of these young guys, he sort of, you know, picked that talent. Shane Webkey, Darren Lockyer, um, Brad Thorne, he had a lot to do with those guys too. Because I know Wayne gets a lot of credit, but there's a guy called Cyril Connell. He was like, he was like the godfather. He was like the guy who sort of would drive around all the carnivals. Anyway, he, he said to me, he goes, mate, train well this week. Um, and, mate, there could be a contract. And the other guy that was there with me too was Anthony Seabold, oh, the Broncos. So he's my best mate. We were, yeah. we were in, um, we, 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 um, we, I billed him when he was eight, when he played for Rocky. I played for Mackay. So he was there as well. So he was like a big gun uh, through our juniors. He'd make Queensland cricket. He was an opener bowler. And then he was Queensland yeah. back rower and he was captain. So he was always a leader. Anyway, so we trained for the week. And I knew a few of the guys there and um, trained my ass off for a week. And then there was this one day, um, Calvin Joles, he, he coached uh, Linford Christie and Daly Thompson. And he said to Wayne, he goes, mate, he goes, this Wendell Sailor kid. Because I was pretty skinny back then. I had to throw a bit different than now. <laughs> <laughs> Got the receding, receding Devon hairline. Anyway, so um, I had the big throw. And all of a sudden, um, he goes, oi, young sailor. He goes, come here. So there's a 400-meter race. There was Mick Hancock, Willie Kahn. There was like, you know, Chris Johns, all the, the, the big dogs. And he said, young sailor, he goes, get up here. And he put it on me. He said... I want you to win this race because you do 10 to 12 400s pre-season. So this is 93. They've won, they beat the, won the grand final 92. So they started their pre-season. And, mate, this was the hardest work I've ever trained because I'd be known to take a few shortcuts. So <laughs> as I got up, I got up. And this is what I, I was good at running more than I was a footballer. I was more an athlete, you know. Grew up in Mackay with Kathy Freeman. She was the same athletic club, you know, Mackay Serena and that. And Kathy was always really humble and her brother Norman. So as, as I've stepped up... Um, I thought, okay, I thought, this is, put the pressure on myself. And I thought to myself, I've got to win this. I didn't think I could win it. But, you know, I was a bit lighter, I was a bit younger, a bit hungrier, which I think you've got to be when you get to pre-season. Anyway, so as I stepped up, go. So sitting in the middle of the pack and there's about 150 to go. Julian O'Neill was in that 400 metre race too because Julian O'Neill was a bit of a gun too back then, you know. Anyway, so I'm running and I just saw the finishing line and around the corner, as you do, I just sort of hit the straps that I had a bit in me and I ended up winning the race. So, and I was stoked, you know, I was sort of like, I was pumped because, you know, you, you beat all the big dogs. Yeah. So Wayne goes, mate, why don't you see my office on Monday morning? So weekend went, um, I stayed with the family that week, obviously. Um, and he goes, mate, he goes, what, uh, he goes, I know that a couple of clubs have spoken to you. He goes, what would you think about coming here? And I said, oh, I said, oh, mate, oh, I'd love it. He said, well, listen, you know what I think here? He said, but I'm willing to give you a $5,000 contract and one year to prove yourself. If you go, all right. You'll resign, I'll resign you. If not, you're going back to Serena. And don't forget, Serena's, you know, they've had uh, Dale Shearer, Martin Bella, Kevin Campion. I think Cherry Evans is from um, Serena as well. So they've had some good footballers over the years and they're a real proud rugby league sort of town. So just to have that one-year contract, and I remember I got on the phone and um, I had to ring my mum because my old man worked that hard, um, you know, to give me opportunities. And as I rung mum, I said, mum, I said, mate, I got a contract, a one-year contract, because sometimes that's all you need. You need just that opportunity yeah. and someone yeah. to back you. And Wayne backed me, and um, not at the start, I suppose. But then <laughs> I said, Mum, I've got a $5,000 contract, and I'm going to live with the family for a year. And Mum was really happy for me, and then she started crying. And I get it, too, because, 
you know, you think about it, mums are the ones, I know dads, we, we do a lot, but I look at my wife now and what she's done for, for our kids, and also, obviously me, I'm probably like a big kid anyway, um, <laughs> and she's just started crying. She goes, I'm going to miss you. So I don't, Wayne said, what are you going to do when you come back down here? And I said, oh, I'm probably just going to play football. <laughs> and he goes, mate, he goes, you're going to have a job? He goes, we're getting on study. So I ended up working for Ross Stradwick Sports World part-time. Uh, Ross Stradwick was a legend, obviously, a legend of rugby league. And also I, um, I studied justice as, at Kangaroo Point yeah. College. I, was, I wanted to be a copper. Um, I didn't end up being a copper. I probably wouldn't have been <laughs> that good of a copper just quietly, so, um, or a police officer. But yeah, so that's, that's how I got to start at the Broncos, and that's how it started for me, the journey. Yeah, and uh, so you're an RUNK ambassador, which, yep. more importantly, this topic is a pretty big thing. So sure. what, what led you to become an RUNK ambassador? Well, look, I think, you, I think a lot of people know there's nothing off limits with me. So nine years of rugby league, I was lucky enough to be a part of the Broncos. Um, went to rugby union for five years. And then probably along that way, 2001, um, you know, I was sort of, I lost my dad to a heart attack. And I probably didn't deal with it the way that I probably should have. You know, drinking was was big for me. I'd be the first at the bar, last to leave. Um, and then I'd have a lot of dark days, you know. I wouldn't deal with that because, as, as I suppose, as in men, and especially, you know, Australian men or grown men in general, were, tough, were taught to be tough and just, mm. just to hold it and not cry and get upset. And that's the way I was sort of brought up as well, you know. Um, so I probably, for me, dealing with losing my dad, um, alcohol was it. And I, and I didn't tell anyone that I was struggling. And I suppose... You know, I went to rugby union, I went on a massive contract and sort of, I think it was just a band-aid solution and it masked a lot of things that I did, you know, getting out of the drink and then, you know, I was betting and stuff like that and just, uh, there was, I had an addictive personality and I suppose in 2006, obviously, when I got suspended, um, for me, um, there was a guy called um, Gav Larkin, he was, he was an unbelievable mate to me, like, some mates don't tell you what they think and that and, you know, I felt sorry for myself because I got suspended um, and I'd been in trouble for a few drinking incidents at the Wallabies and the Waratahs and, you know, obviously the, the drug suspension was the final one where Wayne Bennett rang me and said, mate, they're going to put you up for two years and I said, Wayne, I just, for me, it was one of those things where there was no way I was trying to cheat and he goes, it doesn't matter, it's, it's just two years, it's a blanket ban and so for me, I knew it was going to be a tough time, um, not just for, for me but for my family but also I think Wayne... You know, he was great guidance for me, but then Gav Larkin was the guy who, when the families they have a little barbecue or something on and they'd invite, all, invite us all over and that, um, Maz and Gav and that and Gussie and that, um, a few of the friends would go, but I'd still be a bit too, like, sort of, not too, yeah, a bit too embarrassed, but I just didn't want to face the world. And it was those dark days that I had, um, not just because of that, but it was a build-up of a lot of things that I just didn't deal with. So between Wayne Bennett and um, Gav Larkin, it was their idea for me... They said, mate, you've got to pick yourself up. You've got to do this for your family. You've got to go and see someone. So when I went and seen a psychologist and that, and, you know, it was, it was funny because I'd promised myself not to give it into the psychologist, just talking about incidents and things I've been through in my life. I just thought, oh, whatever I do, I'm not going to give anything away here. But it was, it was funny. Once I walked into that room and she said hello, um, the emotion just started pouring out of me. Like I just, like I, I cried and... I sort of, you know, I was just so honest. And it's just sometimes you just need to get things off your chest and off your shoulders. And it was perfect. It was what I needed. So that was, it was, Gav was the one that really sort of, and Wayne, but Gav was the one that said, mate, you, you need to get off your big ass and go and see someone and talk to him. Because Gav had been there too. And I think his father had sort of um, gone through mental health. That's how I got involved in Are You OK? And then obviously when I came back to rugby league through the Dragons, 
that was the catalyst uh, for me. He goes, mate, I want you to be an RUAK ambassador. And I went, mate, I'm the last person because of, just because of what I've been in trouble. And, mm. and sometimes when, you, when you've gone through some adversity, you can be a bit hard on yourself. But I think Gav saw a lot of goodness in me um, that sometimes we don't see it in ourselves because of the dark clouds. So you get suspended on drug charges and you, you're out for two years. What are those two years like? What did you do with yourself? Um, look, I think for me, um, I suppose Alan Jones was good for me too at that time. Alan Jones, um, I worked with a group called Youth and Search. Um, they were kids who were, you know, they'd been sexually abused as kids. Uh, you know, they'd gone through, you know, foster homes, um, you know, 12, 13-year-olds addicted to speed and stuff. Um, so for me, it was like, don't feel sorry for yourself because you made this mistake, you know. It was just, I had the world at my feet. Um, yeah, and I like was up at Currajong Heights, and just to see those kids, what they went through, and they looked up to me, and I felt like I let them down too because I said, oh, when I walked in, they didn't tell them I was going to be there. So for three or four days, I was in camp with these kids, and I had to sleep in a bunk, and then obviously, um, you know, I was sweeping up, and I was in the, um, you know, I was doing the routine with them. You know, it was this group's turn to wash up and get the food. So for me, that humbled me. It was away from the spotlight. That was one of the first things I did. That was like about. Four to six weeks after everything started to settle down a little bit, and it wasn't so much settle down, but it, I just had to start doing something. And then I just, I didn't really have a plan at like, because all I've ever done is play football. And even though I studied, I just didn't have a plan B. Uh, and for me, what was good was seeing what other people had gone through. But then you have to put yourself back out there. So that was one of the things I did behind behind the scenes. And two things I suppose for me, which was really good, my family were really supportive of me. Um, a lot of my teammates, because what happens is when you hit rock bottom, there's a lot of people walking out the door. But a lot of people that know the goodness in you will back you. So whether it was my Bronco teammates, my Wallaby teammates, whatever, everyone's checking in, you know, friends and that. Um, but there's a lot of people that just, that, that was hanging around me at the time that just didn't even call. You know, they were just like, oh, you know. You know and and I, I, look, I get that, but I suppose that's a lesson that I, I've learned now over the years, um, and, and especially now. But I think for me, um, coming back and playing rugby league, just playing sport and making it right, um, you know, had to leave the ego at the door a little bit because sometimes, you know, it, it does go to your head. You um, you've mentioned him a bit, Wayne Bennett, and he called you when that stuff happened at the Tars. So you're playing a different code. You're yeah. still still in contact with him. Can you give us a bit of an insight into his sort of what he's done for you? Oh, mate, yeah, undoubtedly. I suppose, you know, it's funny because Wayne was a guy who. You know, he doesn't like, he doesn't stuff around, he doesn't like bullshit, but you've got to be honest with him. So even when, you know, he actually rang me before it broke. He said, mate, he said, um, he said, mate, um, I'm hearing things here. And I didn't want to tell him because he's like, a, he's a mentor and he's a father figure to me. He said, um, mate, you have got yourself in a bit of trouble here. And I said, Wayne, I said, mate, I took stuff out of competition. He goes, mate, it doesn't matter. And he goes, mate, this is what he said to me. He goes, mate, what were you thinking? He goes, mate, you don't need to take drugs, mate. He goes, you're stupid enough without taking drugs. <laughs> and that's, that's the, the, the rapport and the honesty that we yeah. have as, as, as friends. But he told me it was going to be a tough road. But I suppose for me, um, yeah, just he's always been there. He's always been supportive of me and my family. Um, always checked in on me. Um, when my dad died in 2001, uh, it, that probably for me, that started, as I said, because I, I buried my dad on a Friday before I played against the Northern Seagulls uh, at Gosford. And rather than, I shouldn't have played that the game on the Saturday, but I wanted to play. For me, I thought, I want to play for my dad. I want to play, you know, for my teammates. I didn't want my teammates down. I never like letting my teammates down. So I said, um, I said I'm said i going to play Wayne. Wayne said, mate, you don't have to play, mate. You know, we'll be okay. You just do what you got to do. I said, no, no. So 
Buried my dad. In my dad's coffin was my first Broncos Australian and Queensland jersey. All my number five jerseys, all buried with my dad. And because um, rugby league was such a big part of his life and our life, and that was sort of my bond with my dad. Um, and then the worst thing I probably did is rather than stay for the wake, I caught a plane and got out of there. So I didn't really deal with it. And then I flew into Sydney, obviously, Central Coast. And then I played that game. And I remember playing against the Northern Eagles and we'd beat them. And it was it was a quite numbing feeling because I wasn't like I didn't like get pumped up. I just wanted to get through the game. So when I ran out there and I was lucky enough, you know, probably for another Lockyer pass, you know, he usually looks after <laughs> me. Lockyer passed it to me. I score, and I was you know over the moon. I just said, yep. Yeah. And I just looked to the heavens. I said, thanks, Dad. You know, like because I I felt <clears> like he was there with me. And then as I scored that try, I walked back, and then I uh, and then I scored another one. I was lucky to score another one. And then at the end of the game, it was it was it was so surreal how it happened. Um, I just. I started getting up. I just started walking off the field, and there's always Bronco fans everywhere you go. You know, they've got great following, and I just started. I just started like getting real emotional, and then I just walked straight back in the dressing room. And at this stage, there was no one in the dressing room. I remember walking back into the corner, left corner, and um, just the emotions because I didn't cry at the funeral. I wanted to be strong for mum and, and my family, um, and I just started crying. And um, and all of a sudden, you know, I heard the door open. I didn't look up. This big arm came over and said, "Mate, your dad will be very proud of the man that you are and what you've done here today." Um, he said, "Mate, he, you, mate, nothing but respect." And it was obviously Wayne. So I, I know a lot of people have an opinion of Wayne. He's done so much for me uh, and my family. But even when I came back to rugby league, um, you know, I wanted to go to the Broncos, but they had a couple of good wingers. They had Antonio Winterstein. I think they had Dan and Kemp, uh, Jarrell Yeah, a couple of these good yeah. young wingers. So I talked, asked about going back and. Like, Wayne couldn't help me out at that stage. Bruno Cullen was the CEO. He said, mate, we'd love to have you back, but we just probably can't, you know, um, you know, we probably can't sign you. And then um, what was funny was the Dragons, Nathan Brown sort of um, called me and said, mate, would you be interested in coming back to the Dragons? So so I, so I did a lot of that hard work in the off-season uh, uh, in those two years. But, you know, I also went on Dancing with the Stars. I did Treasure Island <laughs> New Zealand. Um, and it was funny, but it was because when I went on Dancing with the Stars, people are just so... Because they know what you did last time, or, or, and people go, "Oh, he shouldn't be allowed on the show. He's got in trouble for drugs. This is a family show and stuff like that." And sometimes people just want to keep kicking you, yeah. and you think, mm. "Well, how am I gonna, how am I gonna get through this if you don't give me an opportunity to, to, to not to say sorry, but I need to do it for my family and that side so dancing with the stars." Lasted two weeks. <laughs> Big Gordy, tell us all the boys to give it to me. Go, hey. <laughs> Mate, mate, what's that outfit you were wearing? And I remember um, Malcolm Johnson. Remember the jockey, Malcolm Johnson? Yeah. Uh, miracle. He's a funny dude. He's probably a bit of golf with him. And I, I said, mate, you know, you got to support me. Get, make sure you vote for me. Because I knew <laughs> I knew the first couple of weeks I'd have been going first or yeah. second. And, he, and then he goes, um, and then when I got f- voted off first, he goes, mate, he goes, how embarrassing. He goes, mate, you're the only black man I know that can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was pretty funny from uh, from him. But like, and that's but that's that's what makes it easier when you have those sort of mates and friends who, mate, through thick and thin, they back you. Um, and that's what rugby league in general has been good to me. But sports been good to me. So I still do rugby union functions. Um, you know, I made the mistake there, and you have to own it. And I said for a long time, if I go to a dinner or a function or anywhere, mate, there's nothing off limits. As I said with you guys, you know, it's I mean, obviously I know you've had Josh Dugan and you know a couple of uh, other good guys, and that's I think that's the best way to do functions and do um, podcasts do you think like that mentality of owning it that helped you sort of get through it of course because if you don't own what you've done you don't move forward and it's a band-aid solution 
And sometimes the bigger problem is if you don't own those mistakes, I think the bigger problems are, you know, suicide. You know, it's uh, it's, you know, look, I know I had some dark days there. I know, like, there was one night there when I was sitting there feeling sorry for myself because, you know, I'd lost everything, you know, virtually, you know, contract. And, you know, part of me being a winger and the entertainer is you love the crowd, you love yeah, the media. Right. So whether it was good or bad, I always, you know, sort of, I brought the media in, you know, when I'm playing against teams and the crowd's giving it to me, you know, I'm sort of, I give it back, yeah. 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 That, that was gone and I, I understood that and that was the, my own downfall, my own, you know, that was my own fault. And I had a couple of warnings before I got to, you know, that stage. And when I got to Sydney, for me, it was going out like, you know, to Hugo's, to Ravisi's on a Sunday. I probably didn't realise how good Sydney was going to be when I signed it. <laughs> probably too good, probably should have stayed in Brisbane, you know. I never got in that sort of trouble in Brisbane. But, you know what, I'm a big guy. I, I should have known what was right from wrong. Um, you know, it was more important to me hanging out with uh, blokes who own bars and who are worth, you know, millions of dollars. And, you know, it, it became very fake and I, and I lost my way uh, along the road. You just touched on it, the media. And I know you're pretty close yeah. with Darius Boyd. How do you, you look at how he's sort of being treated? Do you feel like the media plays an impact with players' mental health these days? Oh, they certainly do. Um, look, they do. I understand the media have got a job, and you know what? It's funny. I don't want to be a hypocrite because I'm in the media. Yeah. So I've got to have my say, yeah. whether it's on Latrell Mitchell, whether it's on Darius. And I don't know if people know this, but um, even with GI, what he's gone through, um, when Darius got in trouble uh, from Newcastle, when he, got, you know, when he went to uh, the medical, um, the rehab place, yeah. I was one of the first guys to go see him because he rung me and he'd read my book. Um, and he, I just like, I checked in because Darius was a guy, when he came through, he looked up to me and Lottie. So when I got to play with Darius, I saw him at the Broncos come through as an 18 year old. And I, I always liked Darius. There was something about him, I don't know. And, 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 and Darius and I have been mates for a long time. So when we got the Dragons, we became even closer. And he said, oh, I just got to tell you something. He said, when I was growing up at the Broncos, you and Lottie were my heroes. And I said, oh, well, that was good to know because that was nice to know. But like for me, to come back and play with Brett Morris and Jason Nightingale on him, it was it was rewarding to be able to be at 32, past my best, and think I've still got something to offer these guys. And they, yeah. you know, whether it was Brett Morris, and I remember when I retired, they all texted me and said, "Mate, thanks for what you've done for us." So it was a bit of a two-way street. Anyway, um, when I went to see him, um, I took him in the book and we had a chat. Man, I reckon for the first half an hour I was there, I reckon I spoke for about five minutes, and that's unusual. It was Darius. <laughs> it was a new sort of person who opened up and I just saw a different part of Darius like it was and it's unlocking what you need to not just in your in your mind but your body so for Darius he needed to go there you know it's like when people work out y- your brain's the same so whatever whatever was dark in his mind and that and I've been there mate the clouds were starting to sort of you know uh, but the funny thing is not many people know this but so when I come out um, G.I. was there G.I. was there waiting to see Darius yeah so for me, um, it was good to see GI there. And GI actually sat with me because I think Darius had a meeting around that time. And um, all of a sudden, um, he goes, oh, can I, um, he goes, can we have a chat, um, GI? And I said, yeah, sure. So as we were having a chat, um, GI goes, you know, you know what it's like, he goes, mate, I've been through it too. So GI opened up to me a little bit too. Yeah, and he's, he's still going through it, I think, mm-hmm. GI at the moment. Oh, he is, he is. And that's the thing, it's about only getting, the hardest thing sometimes you talk about the media, it's as soon as someone's going through that, they write about it. I just yeah. wish that we'd pay more respect to to when you're dealing with it. Just let them deal with it yeah. and not put them on the Your front back page. Your mind's already You don't want. It is. It is. Yeah. Mate, you, 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 you don't mate, want to escape to social you're not media. Thinking and straight. And that's that's one and thing. Like, over it. Yeah. That's what. Like I know when I get a triple M or something and they want to talk about. It, I, I go look. I, I would rather not because I've been there. But I yeah. talk about where 
having to deal with it or having how I've dealt with it. Because even when Julio went through that, like it was just like, you know, it just ended so quickly for him and people. And then I, and then I'm reading comments online saying, "Oh, it's always going to happen." He did this and did that, and they start bringing up. And I'm just going, guys. What do you want? Do you want do you want him to end his life and then think, oh, maybe I probably yeah, shouldn't Yeah, what's have. it going to yeah. take? Yeah, that's right. And that's why, yeah, look, I'm very mindful of that. I understand that the media have got a job or we've got a job. I can't just say them because <laughs> I get paid to be in the media now, so I can't just be, you know, and I'm going to understand that I'm an ex-player as well. So I'm happy to talk to young players. I've had players ring me saying, man, I'm going through this, and, and I'll tell them my story or how, how I got there, but sort of how I got into a good place. Just on that, you mentioned the dark clouds getting to a good place. Yeah. What advice would you have for people listening we're in that dark place, just just can't see the other side of it. I would say the first thing you got to do is surround yourself with people who you can rely on, who can tell you when you're probably you're drinking too much, you're not being a good person, you're not doing the right things. Don't surround yourself people with yes people. That's what I'd say because I reckon that sort of that was part of my downfall. But also, don't be afraid to talk to your mum or your dad or, or your best mates. We're always happy to talk about you know sport. Um, not so much politics with me, but we're always happy, you know, um, you know, fitness, you know, girls, yeah, teams, whatever, women, whatever, you know, but and family. But you don't want to talk about your mental health or what headspace you're in. As soon as you talk to one of your mates about it, sometimes it's about knowing and peeling away those layers. Because once you peel away the first layer, mate, you start to open up and go, well, mate, you know what, mate, I'm going through a tough time at the moment. I've got mates who are minors who go, mate, you know, flying in, flying out, and we have a talk or. Someone ring me going, mate, what's been happening? I said, oh, mate, on the road lately, mate, tired, haven't had enough sleep, mate, you know. And then if I go offline sometimes, that's because I need to give my mind a bit of a break because, you know, social media can be, it can be fun if it's done the right way. But there's people on there that do it in a negative way. And that's what I'd mm. say. If I was a young athlete these days, I'd just limit my time to social media. I know a lot of players that give, it, give so much time to it. And I know even with Latrell at the moment, I know it's. I feel for the trail at the moment because I know the decision he's trying to make for him and his family. Um, but just there's uh, there's two to three articles on him every day. Yeah. He's a 22 year old kid that's not hadn't done a great deal wrong. He's won two premierships. He's looking for an opportunity. I know the Roosters have been great to him. I would love to see him stay at the Roosters, but give the kid a break. Mm-hmm. Unless he's done something illegal. Yeah, you know, exactly. unless he, he hasn't done anything wrong. No. Yeah. You spoke about it before. Can you give us an insight into the miners? So you obviously have been up there, do a few talks. Yep. Like we're obviously in Sydney, we're sort of pretty isolated from it. But what's what's it like up there? Well, not just can I just say not just the miners. So for are you okay? Um, I've done a lot in Sydney and in, in the big cities and stuff. I've done stuff with coals and that, you know. But um, I've been asked to go out to the, see the farmers. I've just been at the Tenerfield road trip, so flying to the Gold Coast, four hour drive out there, and they appreciate it because they're doing a tough drought. Obviously, you know, they're struggling with money. The banks are putting them under pressure. And as we know, the banks aren't doing it that tough. Mm. Mm. But just to hear farmers talk about it, I heard a farmer um, talk about it out there just saying he had a farm in his family for 100 years. He wasn't being a good husband or a good father. He'd, like, get up in the morning, work, come home, have 10 beers, not want to talk to his family, just hated the world, just blamed everyone else but himself. And not that it was his fault, but it was a tough time. And his wife just said, listen... I've had enough. You're treating the kids like shit. You're treating me like shit. Um, um, if you don't go and get some help, I'm out of here. And and it made it was refreshing to hear because the farmers we we think about toughness and you think about the toughest people in a workforce. You think miners and farmers. Mm. You know the fly in, fly out, mate. The miners and I know I've been up over to um, Western Australia. Same sort of thing. Um, I I understand. You know, I've got mates who are obviously are miners too. Sometimes you know they're flying seven days, fly out. Sometimes they're like there for a couple of weeks. 
and you know what? I think I was up there for three or four days for a bladder slow two years ago, and they wanted me to come along and talk about mental health and talk about sport. And the first three days, I, I was like, oh, how good's this? But after about two days, I'm thinking, get me out of here. It was like not, not being in a jail, but I understand you You get into that routine of being there, but then obviously you're missing out on what your daughter or your son's doing mm. back home or your wife doing. So for me, refreshing to hear them open up and talk to me because I take a lot back too. So when I go and do those talks, I sit there and I get a lot out of it as well. Um, you know, yeah. whether it's farmers, whether it's um, you know, um, one of the ladies who have you know started a foundation who you know she had to make a decision. Her her son was young and there was this disease and I forget what it's called. Uh, excuse me, uh, I forgot what what it was. And she had to make a decision when he was eight to twelve months old. The tumor was behind his eye. She had to make a decision. For, to cut that out so he yeah it was it was hard I'm sitting there I had a talk next and she was talking and I know as a dad how hard it is to make those decisions and it was for me it was like like you get so much out of it and I know people go oh mate thanks for coming out here but what they need to understand I suppose too because when you tell your story you're taking so much away from what everyone else is so whether it's the farmers the miners that young lady who's who's then had a second kid and the husband um just wasn't into it. He he wanted to check out. He just goes, look, no, nah, I don't want to have a second kid. Well, she goes, well, I'm keeping it, you know? So it doesn't make him feel bad, but I understand yeah. the headspace he's yeah. in, and they're still together. But imagine telling your son, I'm sorry, but when you were like, you know, a year old. I had I, that decision. I yeah. had to make a decision, because if, if he keeps the eye, the tumour could, as you guys know, yeah. could spread, and that could be it. So she made a decision. I think he's 16 or 17 now, and he's doing well. Um, and for me, that makes me proud. But even at the end of that, um, when she came back, I had to speak next. I was sort of tearing up, and then I, I did my talk, um, and then I had to go and sit down there and just give her a hug and congratulate yeah. her just on. And, and like she started the foundation herself. Like after you've gone through that and what she's done, and um, oh yeah, it was it's. But I meet I meet so many brave people, not just here in Australia. But I get to do this at stuff in New Zealand. I get to go overseas, you know, Hong Kong and do stuff over there when I'm doing functions. So, And one thing I always try and do is if I'm doing a corporate function and I'm away somewhere in the country, I always try and do a community-based thing in and around it, whether it's a mental health talk or, um, you know, skills and that with the kids. We've got a couple of fan questions here. Yeah, yeah. We, we threw it on social media. Yeah, I saw that. There's a couple away from mental health. Just yeah. There's one from Alex up in Bundaberg in Queensland. I love Bundaberg. He said, what's your favourite personal achievement in regards to sport? Premierships, Origins, what what kind of stands out for you? I'd say for me playing for Queensland. Yeah. Just because anyone can play professional sport and like play like, you know, Bulldogs, Broncos, you know, um, Sydney Swans. But I think for me as a young kid, because I could never make Queensland, you know, yeah. I'd get there and blokes, you say on the 12s, oh, mate, you'll make the Queensland team. And I got to North Queensland like every year or CQ because I played a lot of cricket too. So I was an open bowl for CQ and... I came through with Andrew Simons and Jimmy Martin, oh, Martin Love and those guys, but I was never the next level like those guys where they were always like a whole, two levels above me. Um, for me, I would say playing for Queensland because it took so long to get that Origin jersey, but as a young Queenslander, and I think you guys know your New South Welshman, um, you know, I grew up, it was like, it'd be a good week yeah. when you know, you'd win Origin and like my heroes were like Gene Miles, um, Dale Shearer, these sort of guys, uh, Wally Lewis, obviously. And growing up in like country North Queensland, um, rugby league was so big for us, the Foley Shield. So, yeah. yeah, I think for me, Queensland. And to run out with my dad's name, my family name across the back, Sailor, I think proud. Proud for, for, for me, but proud for, I think, our family and, and what my dad's done for me because, you know, he worked that hard as a labourer. And, and I just feel that I didn't get to thank him for everything that he's done for me because he was only, he was early 50s when he died. Yeah. You know? And we didn't see it coming. 
We um we didn't get much glory growing up with New South Wales. Oh no, no, you guys <laughs> wouldn't have, but you've no. won two in a row no, now. I was going to say, say well, yeah. uh, Wally yeah. Lewis, he wasn't that good, was he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was pretty good. I know, because mate, people always had those. I think he won. I think he won eight men of the matches, and I think oh the closest God. to him is Cam Smith on six or five or something. So Crazy. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. He's and playing on. He's got another. Yeah, I think no, he's Wally Lewis. Is he going to go to halfback? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to go to no, half. No, no, no. Just talk, no. He'll stay, mate. Why would you take the best hooker yeah. of all time at yeah. best number nine? No, they'll stay, yeah. he'll stay there. So I've got another one from um, Scott up yeah. in New Farm in Brisbane. I don't know New Farm. Yeah. I was up there a couple weeks ago. So uh, obviously you're good mates with the coach. What's needed for the Broncos to have a good year? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, look, I think belief and consistency week in, week out. Like we know on any given day they could beat the Roosters, but then we know that like they came down and played against Parramatta in a yeah. final, they get beaten forty four nil or whatever. Yeah. And I think just consistency and buying into um, the ethos of the team. And I think you know you had Wayne Bennett there for so long, but Anthony Siebel, I think he's a new age coach. Um, obviously, yeah, he took the Bunnies to third. Yeah. Um, the Broncos, you know, luckily enough scraped into the top eight. But when you got so many young players, it's about playing well week in, week out, but it's also knowing your role. I think sometimes through the year, uh, the Broncos, they went missing a few times. And some of the games, I have to get on radio, I'd go, man, I was embarrassed the way the Broncos played against. I think when they played the SCG, I think they got beaten 38-12 to 12 against the Roosters. Yeah, yeah. And in the wet, it was just embarrassing. That's not how Broncos play. I know it's a new culture, new coach. I think he can do the job, but you've got to have the right players to do it. And I think he's slowly getting that. Is there a lot of pressure up there? Because of like course. it is like there's only one team in the city like yeah. it's a proud history like is there a lot of pressure for coach and young players? Yeah, of course it is. But you know that when you go there, when you sign with the Broncos, when I signed in '93, I knew Mick Hancock, Willie Kahn, Steve Randolph. These guys were like they were like they were the big dogs. They yeah. were the big guns, and I was gonna wear one of those jerseys at some stage because I was a young centre growing up. But those guys helped bring me through. So sometimes at the Broncos, I don't think they've got enough senior players there. They've got some senior players there, but not players when I came through. I had Langer, Walters, Renolf, these guys who brought me through. And I think sometimes, no disrespect to the younger players, sometimes they're getting that big money too early, I think. I don't begrudge them for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but sometimes I think that can be a bit of a problem. Especially now, they're talking about Fafita getting the middle of the season. Oh, look, I know. But, he's you know, a great player. He is, but I know, I know, I understand. But look, you know, it's like, it's like um, a house property or a car, you know. You get what people, I suppose you get what people are willing to pay for it. And yeah, at the moment, exactly. That market value, it's even like Latrell. I've got to say, yeah. like, I saw that he was on, he was off at 8.50, not next year, the year after. If I'm Latrell, I'm taking that because I reckon the Roosters, the style of play that he, you know, and he can float yeah. in and out of games. Yeah. It reminds me of Steve Renoff where when, when, they want, when they're on, they're on. Yeah. And like, he's, he's only going to be 23, 24. There was no rush for him to go in there. But mate, you know what? Latrell's probably got other thoughts in his head and, and good luck to him. Where do you reckon he'll best suit? What club do you reckon would best, be best with him? Uh, outside the Roosters, it's, it's a good question. I, it just depends where he wants to play. If he wants to play fullback, he's going to have to evolve. In, uh, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that he can't. If he wants to be a fair fullback, you know, West Tigers would be a good fit for him, but then he's going to probably have to strip down um, You know, because he's got mm. a big frame, a bit like what yeah. GI did. And I've got no yeah. doubt that Trell, if, he, if he wants to, he could do that because I watched him play all through the estuary ball and that, and he, he can, he's got to be on the ball and he can be... But I just, I don't know which team would suit him at the moment. Um, mate, probably the Bulldogs would suit him, I reckon. Yeah. You know, they've got some really good young players coming through. Um, yeah, but it's just, uh, yeah, I just, it's just sad to see, you know, like mm. he's just won two premierships and the way it's been played out. Yeah. And, and, and we're part responsible for that too because he's up there, Tari, with his family trying to do things. I don't know. He's just doing the best for whatever he's got to do. But sometimes I just stop reading the articles now because I just feel like, 
I feel like it's a little bit of online bullying, a little bit about, yeah, oh, this is what sure. the fellow's doing, this is what he's doing. He's doing nothing wrong. Yeah. Like, so just yeah. let it be. 100%. Yeah. Uh, last fan question. Yeah. Neil from Auckland. So uh, what are three important tips to stay physically and mentally fit? Oh, yeah, look, I think for me, I think your diet, like, I think, I think when you're eating well um, and you're with good people, like you're training with good people, like I like... I don't really like training by myself. I like training in a group because you get the you get the energy and the vibe yeah, from yeah. other people. And I just think you just got to take time out for yourself too. Like so, if I train or I go and play golf, golf's my happy place. But I like to go to the beach and just just take in the waves, a bit of serenity, and just you know just clear your head. You know, even going for a drive sometimes, um, turn the phone off. So there's a couple of tips there, I suppose. Um, yeah, just to give yourself some time away from people, and I know I know myself with my wife and kids. They, they don't they don't need to be around me all the time. You know, I, I, I'm a handful. I know that's why I give them a bit of time away too. That's why I like going on the road. You know, I go and do road trips. I go to Tannerfield. I, you know, I just went to Papua New Guinea last week. You know, it was yeah. mate. It was beach cricket was fun, but doing some community stuff. You know, and um, you know they just love their sport. And you know, it's just it's not Wendlands. Hey sailor, 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 <laughs> sailor, give me a hat, sailor. You know, and they they they're doing well with their sport. Oh, we beat England. How good was that? They beat Great Britain, but they're, Great Britain, they're, sorry, start, yeah. they're starting to turn their culture around a little bit too because you know it was, it was very backwards up there sometimes of the way that the men treated the women. So I love where they're going with that Papua New Guinea too. You know, so it's always good to go back there and 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 support the other community. Yeah, the the test scenes coming on big time. Tonga now Tonga. one yeah. of the top, like T one almost. Well, they are T one. Yeah, now. but they you think be. about it too. So for a long time, you know, I know you guys love your sport. So, you know, the Polynesian boys, you know, we, we know, you know, the Fijians and all that. So those island nations, they're starting to get week in, week out experience uh, in the Interest Cup and Quentin, the PG yeah. Hunters. You know, mm. they won it a couple of years ago. It's going to make it good for rugby league in general. Tonga beat Australia. Mm. You know, everyone's going, oh, Australia off a little bit. Latrell didn't play that well. So and so didn't play that well. No, no, no. You know what? Give Tonga the respect yeah. they deserve. Mm. They won. Mate, Fafita, Malolo, all these guys, you know, like, um, they made a stand where it wasn't about money anymore. They've cost themselves money by... So well, I, an I, origin, like, yeah. yeah. But, I, but I think our yeah, mindset's changing now, and 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 um, big kudos to those guys who who have changed the, the way it's you know it's been played. Hundred percent. I think that'll wrap us up. <laughs> awesome. No, no, it's all right. Covered everything. So it was a pleasure to have you on. No, no problem. Good luck with everything coming up. We got a lunch at the Chloe Hotel in around March, so we'll hit you up about that if you're around. We'd love yeah, you to come. Yeah, let me know. I'll come along. Come have a feed. And yeah. But I think for you guys too, I think uh, I think it's great what you're doing here because. No matter what sort of walk of life that you that you're in, whether it's sport, whether it's you know mining, uh, farming, just every day, even if you're a labourer, mate, we all have struggles. But I think the best thing you can do is what you guys are doing now. The more we talk about it, the better it is. I've got to say, I teared up when I saw Josh Dugan on the news breakdown. Josh Dugan, mm. he's a pretty tough cat. Like, yeah. he's a pretty tough. Oh, he's a pretty tough hombre. And I had some time with him at the Dragons, and he was great. He didn't miss a beat when he came in. Um, and I understood for a guy to break down on national TV. Um, it's getting to him, and uh, I know his partner Jordan. Uh, and I, I, I respect Dukes for for doing that. Um, the more players that are doing it, the more people doing it, the better it is for our younger men coming through. I know with my young bloke now, you know, a couple of his mates struggle. They all talk about it now. That yeah, mindset's changed. Good. He was absolutely like as you were today. He yeah. was yeah. Like he I know, good. like they get stuff in the media, and but never yeah. met him before. He was yeah. The best he was bloke. good, and we did we did speak about that interview. It was yeah. the same thing. Like but you, you got to. Mate, when, when I saw it, even when I was at Triple M, and they said, oh, have you seen the Dugan interview? And I said, yeah, look, I did see it on TV. I, said, I watched it again. Part of me is a, not just as a man, but as a dad too. 
if that was my son, and then but what I hated is when I went online, everyone's going, oh look at Josh doing yeah. for the sympathy card. Mate, do you get it? Like, I know people think because these players are on 800, 900,000 that money's okay. Money's not everything. Mm-hmm. We've known people who have got so much money in that, but then they, you know, they, they make the decision to take their own life and then all of a sudden, got to pick up the pieces. And I've I, I got to say, you know, I've been at the crossroads where you've thought about it, but, you know, only because of just, you know, things that I hadn't dealt with. But, like, now that I'm in a good headspace, it's because of certain people around me, but, you, you know, making the right decisions helps. Unreal, Sweet. mate. Thanks, well, guys. Um, thanks for having us. Well, thanks, Wendell. <laughs> thanks for coming on. And uh, no good luck with everything coming on. Have a Christmas and New Year. Thanks. Who was your, who's the idea for Turn Up The Talk? Who, whose idea was it? It was actually my... Um, oh, the name. My yeah. my girlfriend's mum. Good. They were just playing around with names and yeah. sort of simple and yeah. <laughs> worked really well. Yeah, and see, I've got a daughter too. Uh, a daughter, she's 16. So I understand social media pressure and you know, it's yeah, 100%, Instagram it's and just eating and mm. that. She's training and that. But I understand like there's some days that you got you got to ride that wave of emotion and then you know the ups and downs. So yeah. being a dad, I'm at the forefront of that too. So yeah, yeah. But social media is hugely it's like yeah. what huge oh. contributor to mental health. I reckon. hundred oh, percent. Trust me, there can be good things. There can be bad things. Yeah. Social media, which you know we we, we always uh, know that can be. Yeah, that's there. what we say. It's good luck for us to yep. promote the podcast. But then you get like you said, you got a young girl. Yeah. Who goes on there and looks at someone like that? And, yeah. Like, it's yeah. as skinny that's as can right. be and you just think fuck yeah. I'm not like that then they start you know, that's right you know I don't blame anyone in particular but you know when you when you got guys like the Kardashians and the Jenners setting yeah. that standard like and then they're making you know, millions yeah, yeah. And, then, and then you know you get your daughter going oh, I don't know if I, I think I've eaten too much today yeah Mate, like you're 16, like yeah. just, you know, and you look, she looks great, and that you know, you yeah. just got to reinforce sometimes to your kids, which you know, um, you know, which is tough to do sometimes. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Okay, thanks, thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. That was awesome. Sweet.